Welcome back for another helping of oysters, clams, and cockles, bringing you the best TV shows and movies weekly in an easily digestible podcast packed with laughs by myself, Ross Bolin, and my dear friend, Mr. Barrett Dudley. Barrett, say hello to everyone. Hello. Can I offer any members of the clam fam out there a fresca? (laughs) Can I offer you a fresca? That's the new, like, Chris Hansen. You want to take a seat? Um, but is that how they get people into yeah, their yeah, it church? Is, it is. With it Fresca? Is. With Fresca. I don't... Man, I got no idea where it comes from, what it's all about, but I was I, I was confused by it at first, and then they brought it full circle with uh, with Deep bringing in A-Train, and it just totally worked, and I, like, laughed out loud at that at that moment. Um, we'll talk good about the boys, good stuff going there. We'll talk about Dub Boys uh, very shortly here, so I'll, I'll save any further thoughts um, until we get there. But yeah, just... Uh, out here in the stewed, drinking yeah, fres- to, drinking frescas and uh, talking to fish, man. What else is uh, what else is there to do? He didn't give me a fresca just for the for the full record. Mm-hmm, I would mm-hmm. have loved a delicious fresca. Yeah, I. You know what? I I I swear to God, S to G. I um I thought about going and getting some frescas to bring into the studio as today as props, but I just wasn't prepared enough, and I didn't you know I didn't give myself enough time. You son of a bitch. As per usual. And so, um, I'm sorry that I don't have the frescas. Well, maybe if I'd known there were delicious Triscuit crackers, I could have enjoyed some with you. <laughs> On today's episode, we'll be covering Lovecraft Country episodes six and seven, of course, HBO's Lovecraft Country, as well as Amazon's The Boys season two, episodes four, five, and... Six, getting all the way caught up on both Lovecraft Country and The Boys. And of course, we're opening with tidbits and such. But first, this episode of OCC is brought to you by Felix Grey Glasses. Barrett and I constantly have our faces and screens from morning to night. Most of us do in 2020. There's no cutting back. Uh, This year has caused us all to rely more heavily on technology and screens and devices to stay in touch with with friends and family and get our jobs done. And too much screen time results in tired, dry eyes, headaches, blurry vision, trouble sleeping. I've worn glasses and contacts since I was uh, like 12 or 13 years old. And I'm very familiar with all these symptoms living in the allergy capital of the world. Now adding all the screen time in my life on top of that, owning a media company. It happens to me all the time, but not since I've been wearing Felix Grey Blue Light glasses. They launched in 2016 with the singular focus of offering the most effective computer glasses on the market with all the high quality of brand name designer frames. Quickly became the internet's favorite blue light glasses. I have their Faraday frames. I have their Nash frames. Love them both, and unlike other brands who use cheap blue light coatings that are ineffective and can chip or scratch, Felix Grey uses a proprietary blue light technology that's embedded directly into the lens. They're available in prescription, non-prescription, and readers, hashtag proprietary. Felix Grey has you covered with optical glasses for work, sleep glasses in the evening that are clinically proven to increase melatonin secretion when worn leading up to bedtime. Why would you buy glasses from a company whose sole focus isn't making glasses? I trust Felix Grey because they make the best blue light glasses in the game. Go to Felix Grey Glass com/occ get a pair of blue light glasses from the pros today shipping and returns totally free that's f e l i x g r a y felix gray glasses.com/occ and now it's time for tidbits and such with barrett all right ross do you want to uh to start off tidbits would you like me to uh to keep it here on our on our home ground or do you want to take a quick jaunt across the pond mate Take me across the pond. Take you across the pond. I've never been. I've never been. I want to go. We'll do. Um, Let's start with everybody's new favorite show, (laughs) 
Ted Lasso. Oh, God. Yeehaw! How is this across the pond? Because he's over there coaching in the English Premier League. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who could forget? Only Bacon, Bacon Sudeikis and the one other coach are the only Americans on this on this here television program. If y'all haven't seen our <laughs> Instagram yet, one of our interns sent in a meme of Bacon Sudeikis, uh, <laughs> and it is just, it's next level. It's his therapist. Bacon Sudeikis isn't real. He can't hurt you. And then it shows Bacon Sudeikis in the street with his arms out like, what? Like Bacon Sudeikis is real. Like he is real. Get it? And um, he can hurt you. Okay. So I think- He's you, Ted Lasso. You'll have to remind me. Did I talk about how, how weird it is to watch this show? Uh, like being how it's so nice, how this show is ge- gen- I don't think gen- so. Okay. So it, it, it's really one of the f- interesting things about watching this show has been basically like by watching it, it's making a commentary on how we've been taught to watch television over the last several years because I'm watching this show and every time like a character is introduced or there is like, you know, two people meeting in a room or, you know, basically anytime a new scene comes on, I'm like, okay, here's where somebody is going to, somebody is about to get effed. There's about to be a twist. This person is not good. They've been bad this whole time. Like, I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop constantly with people being bad people. Okay. Essentially. And they're not. <laughs> they're just, one of them's a friend and a confidant and encourages, you know, the her, her other friend to like, uh, to, to make the right decision. And, and this one new friend that comes in, she's just an old friend here to hang out and have a good time. And like, like, it's just, it's so warm hearted. It's so good natured. And I keep expecting the worst to happen. And I'm I'm continually like... 2020 re- got you, dude. I'm continually rewarded by nice things happening. And like people forgiving each other and being nice. And like, so it's just, it's so nice to like, it, it's crazy to think about how that's just not something we see on TV anymore, really. Right. Like everybody's got to have an ulterior motive or be a bad guy in some some way, shape or form. This is just all good. You know, we we just can't have nice things. Like, people don't make up. Like, it doesn't, like, just work like that, right? It's, like, all so dark and heavy and, like, eh, everything's bleak. And this doesn't, this show doesn't go there, and it's and it's wonderful. And so the tidbit here is that I, I, I'm watching, and I paid a little bit more attention to the credits this time. Uh, Marcus Mumford, by the way, of Mumford & Sons, like, does the intro song and apparently, like, really? had, a, had a big hand in scoring and, and picking all the music. So the music's also really, really good throughout um, Mumford falls into like the Dave Matthews category for me where I love them, but I'm sort of ashamed. Yeah. They, they've, they, they've gone above that for me. Okay. Like I'm, I have no shame in the fact that I love Mumford and Sons and I will go to Mumford and Sons shows until the day they stop touring, assuming that live Which concerts was at the are beginning ever, of this year, ever a thing. <laughs> um, so I'm watching the credits a little bit closely here. Uh, season finale is this Friday, by the way. And a name pops up as an executive producer, and that name is Bill Lawrence. And okay. I said, oh, that's familiar. And I started thinking about it, and I said, isn't that the guy that did Scrubs? And it is. Bill Lawrence did create and write a bunch of Scrubs, which was an extremely warm-hearted, right. kind, nice show. Yeah, the other shoe never dropped. No. And so it just like everything started clicking together that he co-created this show as well. Okay. And now that I know that, it, it's so obvious how much this show has in common with Scrubs. 
and I don't know how much of how much Scrubs you ever watched. I, I watched I, quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, like it was one that I would watch when it was on TV. Like I, I don't think I was. There might have been a season or two where I was watching the new episodes as they were coming out, but you know, it was all over syndication when when we were younger and and kind of through late high school and college. Right. So I've seen I saw most episodes. Yeah. Um, and it was, it's, it's always like, there's all scrubs always had good messages and like people coming around and doing nice things for each other and, and, and basically seeing silver linings. So all of that, like we could absolutely use more of in this here year, 2020. Um, of course. And so just Ted Lasso continues to be a, uh, a, gr- a great, a great show to have going on right now. Ted Lasso. Um, bacon Sudeikis. Okay, let's move over to the uh, the baking bubble, as it were. Ah, uh, the baking bubble. Just a quick note here. Uh, a- after the success of Great British Baking Show, Great British Bake Off, what what whatever you want to call it, there were a lot of copycats, right? They're sure. like, oh, people like baking shows. People want to see cakes being made. And so one of these shows is called Nailed It, which I believe is a Netflix original. Nailed It. Nailed It is a show, very popular in its own right, that SNL has spoofed a few times. And the the I didn't really like have this all together when I would see these sketches with the nailed it. They were always funny to me because like I'm familiar with baking shows. And so but the concept of nailed it is like you're trying to do like a really elaborate bake. And inevitably it goes horribly awry. And what you're left with is something so bad. It's like scary looking, basically. And so SNO, of course, takes that to the next level and like, you know, Somebody inevitably creates a demon coming from another realm because this cake is so horrifying, et cetera. <laughs> Always played to, to for, for great fun. Good. Well, so Bake Off, I mean, we're going on 10, 11, 12 seasons uh, of this show here. So you can imagine that they're trying to do something new. So episode one, which was last Friday, it's cake week. And they have everybody do a bust, like create a cake that looks like somebody okay. that you picked. This is week one. Okay. Mind you. So we've got 12 bakers in here, <laughs> some not as good as others, <laughs> trying to create a cake that looks like somebody. So being a sculptor and a yes. baker. And they, I, I feel like they pulled this from Nailed It, and it was... A bulpture. There were, I mean, laugh out loud funny representations of people. And now they get to pick cakes. any human being? Yeah, it was like, pick pick an idol of yours and make a bust cake out of it. So who did some people butcher? Like, Do you remember any of the ones that Um, were particularly disturbing? There was a... Anybody do Zac Efron? There was a... um, There was a Charles Darwin that... That is so fucking random. ...was really, really weird. Uh, (laughs) There was a... How into the dingo There was a Lupita... Somebody tried to do Lupita Nyong'o. Like, you can't just pick a famous person... I think they have too many. They have too many beautiful characteristics. You're, it's not gonna. You That's have to look. Very difficult. You have to choose somebody that looks like very distinct. That has like knowable kind of weird qualities, right? Yeah, like Gonzo. Yeah, 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 something like that. So somebody, somebody did Lupita Nyong'o. No, it did not look like Lupita Nyong'o at all. <laughs> what a fucking ballsy move! Um, Hold on, I've got this. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Lupita. Oh, tr- somebody did Charles Attenborough, who I believe is the British guy that narrates all the planet Earths. Like there were some really, really funny ones, what and the I mean, hell some kind st- of decisions are these? It, some stuff that was it, anyway. Oh, the, David Attenborough. David Attenborough. Yes, thank you, Sir David Attenborough. Sir David Attenborough. The the um, I, I was. It was certainly they 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 they. It was a take. 
right? It was a uh, they they had pulled this, I think, from this nailed it show. But it it was great because we've not seen anything like this on on Great British Bake Off to date. So to to see, to add this humor element where people are just like botching it left and right and creating these horrifying presentations was um, was pretty funny. Love that. Love that. Um, okay, moving on. Now we're going. Now we're coming back over across the pond to the motherland. SNL returns this weekend. Hey, um, they are going to have a live audience. Ooh, it is. It is. It will be a live presentation. There are, of course, you know, many limited ru- seating, capacity. many many rules, seating capacity, Probably masks on the whole time, the temperature checks, the the whole shebang. But they are they are going to attempt it in a uh, in some form of of its true sense which uh it's interesting it's similar to sports the things that they face with snl it's mm-hmm. like what if one actor gets it or like right. what if one fan or, or a person in the audience or totally whatever. yeah 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 could be a camera um, guy you know yeah so uh, i'm very excited to have snl back in its real form but but my emotions are mixed on it because uh, this is an election year snl typically really has a lot of success and draws big ratings in an election year and like I know they're going to try to do something with the debate with the debate they, because they have to essentially they can't just ignore it, and it's like I I, I almost don't want to see it. it. It was it was such an utter dumpster fire and catastrophe, and like show of the current state of politics that it's like I I don't think there's there's Dude, I think that's why you have to go. But at they, it. they've already had this issue where it's like borderline you, possible to parody like, Trump. How do you parody what is a parody? What is already? a parody already? Um, so yeah, no, it's a difficult task. And so I don't know how you take what you, we saw you on to, Tuesday though. night and turn it into something. Fun. But you know what I'm saying? Like you, you literally have no choice if you are the premier comedy sketch show saying. in the country no, you I'm, have to address they, the debate they will they they, they well right they, they, they cast jim carrey as joe biden already and we obviously know that donald trump is played by alec baldwin so it's it's um yeah it'll be really it, this will be I i'm mean, stoked because of jim carrey yeah he, yeah he he extinguishes all the flames for me that you're talking about there is a piece of me that on the same level is like i just don't know if i want any more exposure to this even on a joking level um, because that was just such a train wreck, but Jim Carrey just being like one of my idols. And then I, I've, I don't think I've ever seen him. Uh, like he does impressions very well. Yeah. And I've watched his old school stand up where he does like, he, it's just insane how he transforms into people. I'm so looking forward to him taking a shot at Biden and seeing sort of, cause one of the things with Biden is, you know, he's not a, you know, he's not a top notch speaker anymore. Uh, if he ever was, he <laughs> yeah. slips a lot, man. He's yeah. old as fuck, yeah. and I wonder how Jim Carrey will portray that, and how much he'll lean into it in in, to ter- in terms of like the senility. Yeah, it, it, it's it, it is interesting thing because with Alec Baldwin, Alec Baldwin is a guy like that was never he was never a sketch comedian, but he's hosted SNL lots and lots of times. Yeah, so they kind of brought him in as like a guest star, and and it felt like that just kind of like turn, turned into the job. Right. right now, right. he is like a recurring character on SNL. Like he is our, he is Trump. Like, and that sort of feels like it's always the way those have been handled um, until this Joe Biden situation, where they literally it sounds like they like picked. Well, I mean, prior to Alec Baldwin, they would have had cast cast members do these these sure. roles. Sure, but but so this is this is like on a new level okay, where they true, basically true, like true. announced that they had signed not Jim like, Carrey um, to be Amy Poehler Biden. or like Tina right, Fey. Right, it's not like a pop in. Right. 
And uh, and it it does have the extra layer that that like Jim Carrey like didn't make the cut for SNL and was on uh, in Living Color instead. Yeah, and like ha- has sketch comedy chops. Has also hosted SNL multiple times, but like to see him come in and and not just be like a guest host and actually kind of essentially be part of the cast here, at least to play Biden and and what I'm sure will mostly be cold opens, but you know we'll see where else they they kind of utilize him. It, you're right that that part of it is. I'm intrigued by that. Yeah, for sure. So um, stay tuned for that. That's on Saturday. Okay, final tidbit from me here. Now, do you have to watch SNL live? Like, do is it like a thing that I do? No, I'm saying, can I? do I have to watch it when it's on TV or isn't it on Hulu as it's well? It's on Hulu. Okay. It, it's on Hulu the next day. Got you. Yeah. Because um, I want to watch that. Final tidbit from me here. I started Fargo season four. Okay. And um, it, it's... It's been met with mixed reviews. Apparently, I th- I I thought the first hour was really intriguing and really good. It's uh, speaking of comics uh, playing on TV. It's just fun to watch Chris Rock do anything, especially in our and especially in in this kind of role. That's that's I guess you'd say against type for him. Um, but my question here is really less to do with Fargo and more just just a broader note. Why do you think it is? Why are we so obsessed with organized crime in our TV, in our film? Um, Because it's a fascinating element of humanity that groups of people like band it's not even together. that prevalent. It's not it's not like it's like. No, a, no, no. It's you're right. That's the thing about it. that's strange is it's no longer something that. Well, it's different now because of the Internet and technology. I'll just put it that way. But the street level, like organized crime type of like mafia mob shit is just so ingrained in American culture in terms of entertainment. When you think to some of the great American, I mean, like how many mafia movies are there? Man? That's what I'm saying. It's like, ins- like, it's nuts. like we consider, you know, four of the top 10 movies of all time. And I'm just throwing out numbers yeah, here, yeah. but obviously I'm but thinking of the two, the, the first, the Goodfellas, first two Godfathers, Goodfellas, Godfather, Godfather and, and a host two, of others, Casino, Casino. Um, and what other, what, what have you, but like, we're just obsessed with organized crime, specifically when it comes to the mob. And I mean, like, like, I, like, I guess it just has everything. It has like heroes and villains. It has. When it has the mixed element of the anti-hero. The anti-hero, it has the anti-hero and it's got the drugs and the money and the guns and the violence. But like, yeah, man, we just, we really just cannot get enough. We can't. Of mob stuff. No, we can't. Which is just, it's just strange to me because it's, it's like, you know, I, I don't know. It, it has, it, I, I don't know. Like the fascination with, um, true crime, for example, like I understand that a little bit more than I understand like our obsession with, with the mafia and the because mob in particular. True crime where it's, gr- can be gruesome, cold, grim. That the mafia be, it, it is, can be next door. True crime can be next door. Yeah, is the but thing. but you don't know if there's an axe murderer living next to you, basically. But the the element of organized crime is so glamorized. Like I'm pretty right? sure no store, shop, business in the entire city of Austin is getting shook down at this point. I don't think so either. Right? I don't think so either. Like, um, <laughs> but there are cities where I, be, I there's still a presence, and it's it's not about the shaken down, shook down, shaken either down. way. It's not about the, I guess, relevancy currently. It's about just the way it's ingrained in our culture at this point. And, you know, The Sopranos obviously is another one that I need to mention uh, if we're going to talk about organized crime and entertainment. But 
Yeah, it's because it offers everything and it gives you a complex vehicle to play with. And also people like watching characters fuck the man uh, and defy societal rules and yeah. laws and get away with it. And there's, so, there's always been that element of America, like the outlaw. You know, we've always idolized the outlaw, somebody who can operate outside the lines. Right. And like in the mafia, you get all that. You get all that mixed in too with the drugs, the sex, the violence, the money, the power, all that stuff. And I think especially for a lot of men, that's sort of the fantasy, right? To be so in charge and and powerful or whatever. Now, this is a good point. Maybe I have a hard time totally understanding the intrigue with it because none of my fantasies include being a, cr- I, a crime boss. And I wouldn't put it as a fantasy. <laughs> I would put it as more of like this just, again... Sort like of glamorized, like instinctual, guttural weird thing, like, yeah, man thing. Just because of the way it's tied into American culture so yeah. much, and I mean, you think of just the like Capone, you know, right? That's right. a guy that you grow up knowing was a gangster, but as even a child, you're like, there was something tied about that. Mm-hmm. You don't really know why, right? But you just you think about Bonnie Al Capone, and yeah, and you're like, man, there's something cool about that. Like Forget this, about it. Yeah, I don't know why it, what it is, but we're just, you know. Yeah. Probably in part because, like, fuck the police. Do you want a quick pitch on the show? On which one? Fargo season four, before uh, we move on. I, yeah, and I have one question as well, which okay. is how's Chris Rock through what you've seen? Um, so I've only watched an hour. Okay, one and episode. Very, and Yeah, and he's very subdued, but, it's, but he's, he's very, he's still, to me, he's magnetic on screen already. And so, like, I simultaneously want him to have, like, a very meaty part to really chew on scenery and, like, play drama, play dramatic. Sure, sure, But I also want them to, like, let him loose a little bit, like, do a little bit of Chris Rock Rock stuff because that's part of what makes him so electric. At least from, like, an improv standpoint or something. But that show doesn't really operate that way. No. So it'll be interesting to see how they do it. But through one episode, I'm, I'm just, I just like watching him on screen in this period piece as a 50s era gangster it's it's very it's it's cool to watch um so the the first 30 minutes of the ep- of this first episode basically is essentially this it, they're setting up the organized crime scene in Kansas City Missouri and it's back and forth one gang sets up shop and then a new gang typically from another type of culture so it like starts with the uh it starts with the the Hebrews and then the Irish come in and then the Italians come in Okay, and, and then Chris Rock and like and the black community comes in, so it's it's this, and they keep like replacing each other essentially. Ah, now every time they've replaced each other, and we sh- we get showed we, we're shown this every single t- time one of these new gangs comes in, they do a sun swap. Huh. Are you familiar with this in any other gangster uh, films? No, I, I must have had it approached at some point though, because I have an idea what it is. It, so it's almost like it's kind of departed esque. Or that's the vibe that it gives me, because what what why I'm already kind of hooked through one episode here is every time these two gangs like come together and try to make a peace deal, the way they do it is by swapping their youngest sons to go live with the other group. It's on like some you know on some Theon Greyjoy in Game of Thrones yeah, shit uh-huh. kind of yes. And so what this now we fast forward to 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 our setting of the show, which is in like the mid 1950s, mid to late 1950s. And the two gangs here, the two crime organizations are going to be the Italians and the black community. And um, 
the entire black community. Well, they're, every they're, single I don't know what to, member I don't know what, to, ca- I don't know what to call them. Yeah, I know, I'm just, they're I'm, called they they the they, black crime family. The black issue. crime family. Yeah, um, and so it, there you can just tell because they set it up this way that we're just, like they can do like fifteen different twists along the way here with all the sons that have been swapped uh, oh, over the course of the 50 years. So they've got them planted already. Because obviously. there's already like, there's like an Irish guy that's with the Italians and now there's yeah, like a new like swap. A really and like stupid idea. <laughs> all right, all right. Here's the thing. Here's what we'll do. We'll set it up to where there's constant betrayal and treachery just automatically planted in to the store. Like, which by the way, is another reason that writers love organized crime so much and and we get so many stories and movies and television shows that focus on it because it's like cheating for writers all those elements you spoke to yeah violence uh all that stuff money sex all that drama is automatically added and assumed right the second you're in an organized crime situation boom bam it's all there a lot of it bada bing yes continue yeah so that's so that, that that's the pitch. That's kind of how the, the, the setup, and and obviously there's there's far more to the story go, um, that's happening right now. But what kind of that that base layer of all the sun swapping? I can just see the gears turning. Sun swapping is such a funny ass <laughs> term. <laughs> I can just see the gears turning in like the writers' room of like how this is all going to shake out and okay. like how they're going to pull on these threads. Hey man, you want to swap suns? <laughs> Mine's fucking lame. And so um, that on top of just like you know having Chris Rock lead this thing along with jason schwartzman who's always good in everything so chris rock is leading it like a leading character yes man i can't wait to watch yeah cannot wait to watch that's all i got man you got any uh such bits and yeah i had a couple of such bits and tids i wanted to throw out first of all top filmmakers in hollywood are finally issuing a call to help uh a call for help from congress to congress rather they, a bunch of groups representing movie studios, theater owners, and directors on Wednesday called on Washington lawmakers to provide relief, saying that they plan, uh, or the, the way they see it, nearly 70% of small and mid-sized theater companies are going to be forced to declare bankruptcy or go out of business without government assistance by the time this is all said and done. So dozens of famous filmmakers like Judd Apatow, James Cameron, Greta Gerwig, Christopher Nolan, Jordan Peele, Wes Anderson, Clint Eastwood, Ang Lee, they all signed this letter calling on the Fed to provide support for... The movie theater industry, essentially a bailout, right, which uh, a lot is shuttered in a lot of the country, as we know. Like, some of our theaters have started to open in limited capacity, but as Barrett and I spoke to during Movie Club last month when we went and saw Tenet, it doesn't seem feasible that this is a long-term way to operate. They just can't get enough people in to pay for the shit. Uh, the, the profit margins aren't there anymore. When you can't pack the theater, it just is it's problematic, so... Obviously, uh, this is a big deal, and we'll see how it's handled by the government as well as uh, these top filmmakers in Hollywood, who obviously a lot of them also have the means to do things to help prop up their own industry, you would think, considering the amount of money they have made. But um, yeah, something we've been concerned about kind of from the get-go of the shutdown, something we'll continue to monitor moving into the end of 2020, as the movie theater industry is obviously very important to Barrett and I, and something that I used to go to probably 20 times a year has been reduced to once in 2020. And if you think of it from that perspective, they're fucked, right? Unless they figure something out or get some kind of bailout or a situation that can help them get through this, we will, I I believe that we will lose a lot of those small and and, and more uh, mid-sized theater companies. Yeah, the the movie theaters as well as the the, um, music venues, and and specifically the small to mid-sized ones are in just desperate need of help. And um, yeah, 
man, I sure hope they get it. Now, the, the thing with movie theaters, I obviously, you know, feel for, for, for these small to mid-sized ones that are clearly in trouble. And I mean, even, even the, the AMCs and such have like talked about, you know, being in uh, dire straits. Um, the thing is, I, I, I can't see, like going to the movies is not going to go away. At some point in time, that will come back. It's not like going to the movies is just going mean, to be. It like, already is starting like a, to. Like a, it's just not, that's not, that's not just going to be something that dies out. Well, but the thing going is, to the, if there are no physical movie theaters left for us to go to, but we, it will die out. No, because in, eventually you think they because rebuild. Because p- people will, will Open start new ones. new ones once there's once there's no pandemic. And, and so, so that's what I'm saying. Like, I, is the question: the Are you supposed to naturally let it? occur and then rebuild naturally or do you prop up these no i mean i would like for them to prop up the current existing ones so that i do think that's a question though for sure it should be a question right is that part of the natural cycle of business in the united states or do we prop things up and hold them up and i I know that's a question for a lot of people but i don't know the fucking answer um yeah it's i mean it's it's just uh it's a mess it's a mess it's It's a real mess it's an absolute mess which leads us to our next such bits and tid and our final one well we have two the mandalorian seasons uh two starts october 30th first of all we're in the month we're doing it we're almost there and also the walt disney company is restoring salaries of their senior executives to pre-covid levels congratulations to the walt disney company executives that's that's especially nice yeah for the twenty-eight thousand people that just got laid off i believe yesterday or the day before um from their theme parks allowing their their executives to have their salaries why would you not do ever like maybe wait a week anything for the pr like for the pr to look better than this yeah. That was legitimately like two days ago, and then the story breaks that their executives have been restored to pre-COVID levels of salary. The, this, this, there's all sorts of, um, there's all sorts of stuff out there about this. Th- this recession w- is is set to be the most lopsided in terms of the people that are hurt by it and the people in, that benefit from in it. history. So, like, it, it's just, I mean, the wealth gap was already something that we were concerned concerned about about here in the country and like this is going to make it so much worse because the people bearing the brunt of this recession and the the people that like aren't able to work or aren't able to to work as much or are losing clients or like don't you know aren't working at disney world and disneyland anymore like it's not the c-suite it's not the disney execs no it's not the people that can work from home all day long for as long as they need to like it's so it's like it's we the said with the movie theaters, man, man this is just super, super effed. The whole thing is effed. And uh, I mean, the, my, my only silver lining is that like, it, we're, it's not just going to be the worst year ever for the next 50 years of my life. So at some point, whether it's five, 10 or well, 20 I'm years, really hoping this is like something case. is going to like eventually like I'll be alive for a year that's just not total and colossal shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's just weird because my thinking went from, man, this will definitely be the worst year I ever experienced to, man, I hope it's only a year to, man, like, it'll be tight if I get some of normal life again before I die. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, I I just, I don't know where the, where the calendar is, but yeah, one, the one thing I am thankful for and speaking of the Mandalorian season two dropping this month is it does seem like we're getting a massive amount of television to watch, which gives me something to occupy my mind with. Sure, which sure. is nice, but, that, but like we talked about many Eventually, months ago, the drought, the drought is coming. The drought is coming. But I believe I will be backlogged enough with things that, like Better Call Saul. That is to probably where I'm true. equipped. That's probably I'm true. I'm equipped. Which, what we by need, the way, what, what do we want to do? Uh, what I'm looking forward to, if we want to, you know, we can just get ahead of this. We uh-huh. can go on Shark Tank and pitch this. Is okay. have you ever seen the movie Idiocracy? Yeah. 
like with with Mike Judge with nothing to do with with nowhere to go with no Disney worlds to go to with no movie theaters they're all gone no music venues there's uh-huh, uh-huh. no festivals we can't go to live sporting events we just need to make those chairs that they have in idiocracy which are simultaneously a couch and a, a toilet. toilet that way you never have to leave you can just shit bait and watch TV and movies all at the same time all on the same Baiting. piece of furniture mm-hmm. and and that's it's just there you go that's life that's life moving forward I demand that those chairs have a podcast <laughs> Oh, automatic podcast headset that comes out so you can listen to us. Yeah, and just and then just a screen. You we can just get a swivel screen on them too, so that you don't even you can just podcast straight from there as well. Oh, you can also record you can your also podcast, record podcast because everybody has one. <laughs> everybody has one. Um, but yeah, looking forward to the Mandalorian season two. Um, and- sorry, quick reversion, just back to the Fargo. I was just looking this up because I Fargo. I, just, I felt so weird. Uh, all I can find, they're just calling right now the Cannons. Chris Rock plays Loy Cannon. They're simply described as the all-black crime syndicate or the African-American crime family and all the things that I can, that I'm reading. Okay. The, the other ones, like, when they were introduced, had, like, kind of, you know, it was like the Moskowitz syndi- syndicate. So nobody something said, like that. nobody's just said the black community so far. No, <laughs> no that's, no, that's my, my bad. My, my, I was just like, I, I couldn't think of what they were, what they like, you know, there's like these little cool things that like pop up and describe the family. Yeah, yeah. So we're just going with the uh, the African American crime family or the all black crime syndicate until I like they, the latter. The all black crime syndicate un- sounds tight until they give us like a you know a name for this 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 organized crime unit. Got you. Yeah, got you. Fair enough. All right, you want to jump into Lovecraft Country uh, season one, episode six and yes, seven? Yes, yes. Let's talk about. Let's go right into the um, the Korea episode. Okay, Lovecraft yeah. Country episode six, HBO. Obviously, for those of you who aren't caught up, been a very interesting season so far. Uh, Barrett, I believe. What? What were? You, okay, episode six. Why such a transformative episode for you? Or why such an important one to talk about? Um. Okay, so I, I, I'm still like, meet me in Daegu was it was the name right? Yes, and. I I think that I think that overall, this show's ambition gets in the way of itself. Overall, overall, okay. Like it it it, it wants to do and say so much that that I still feel like I'm losing any type of true narrative sense. I tend to agree with that, but I also f- I feel like I've found the groove of peace in not. And because I had that the first four or five episodes where I was like, come on, the, now what this, am I watching here? Meet, meet me in Daegu. This episode in particular, however, was just like because it was almost, you know, you could call it a bottle episode, essentially, because it took one piece of this storyline and like never left and didn't show, didn't even, it. you know, we didn't have Hippolyta. We didn't have Le- we didn't have Letty in this episode is just tick and um, and. We got to pull up the name that uh, Jamie Chung is playing. Oh, uh, I'll find it real quick. But it it was very singular, you know, and it was quite. A, it was a. I, I mean, it's a stunning accomplishment. This episode. Gia. It was um, J I dash A H is the name of the woman. Gia. The yeah. Gia. Gia. It, it was beautiful to watch. It was super well acted. I mean, uh, is, is Jamie Chung the most incredible real world come up of all time? Among them, like, is there anybody that turned that turned her her stint on the MTV reality show, The Real World, into like a more impressive career? Like, really, I can't name an, another real world person who <laughs> became an actor yeah. or actress. Period. 
Um, so she, I thought she was awesome. I thought the story was really interesting and had a lot of layers. And she crushed. And it was, uh, you know, like it, it, it at least sort of explained wo- what we were getting from her and Tick with the weird phone calls and the visions of her in the first half of the season. That was very cool. So it did do some explanation some for like some of the things that he's kind of experiencing and fall and like reverting to and like thinking back on while he's on this path to finding the sure. book of names. This episode also, it sort of brought me outside of the problem I was having earlier in the season, which was that, okay, so we're in this little tiny group of people and they're all fucking with magic and what the rest of society just doesn't notice. And there's no, what, like just what, what is it? What is going on here? Well, there's a lot of magic around Yes. You know, there's a, yeah, it's, we're, it's a magical freaking this world. This is a magical world that we're in. Yep. It's everywhere. Yep. It's a lot of people and things, and, and there's a lot going on. And that sort of took me to a place of a better understanding for the for the first few, four or five episodes of the season. Um, I also thought this was one of the wo- most well-made. You can say what you want about this show storytelling-wise, but in terms of the quality of the way it's made, the only episode I had a problem with, and even from a visual standpoint, it was still okay, was the Indiana Jones Scooby-Doo mm-hmm. Adventure one. Um, just because it felt like, I don't know, it just didn't, it didn't blow my mind the way some of these episodes have, the way Meet Me and Daegu did. Like, mm-hmm. like that was a ride. You were locked in the entire hour. Yep. It was freaking intense. And then it tied to everything that we've seen. So it was very well done, a very well done episode of television. And it really elevated the show for me to a point, like... There have been a couple episodes that have elevated the show for me where I was like, okay, I'm starting to really get a feel for what they want this to be. And I do think it's overly ambitious. I think you're right on that. I think they really reached on how many different – because that's where the confusion comes in and it's like, what are we kind of doing? But I, I feel the overall like what they're attempting mm-hmm. in this sort of adventure show that where anything can happen in any episode, but then there's the bigger story and, and I'm, I'm, I'm there. I'm at the doorstep to loving it again, to loving the show. Like, and, 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 uh, I'm excited to see what they do with the final episodes. Yeah. Um, especially as a, as a result of episode six, probably the thing that's got me most excited because they really showed their depth there, their, their ability to put together an episode that blew my doors off. Yeah. And again, they brought in some great horror elements with the Kamiho and the, the, the nine tailed Fox, um, fucking insane, which did some alien type things when it exploded some dudes, uh, (laughs) Getting, it's the way I want to go, though. Uh, it was very, you know, pretty, pretty intense, I'm pretty, kidding, pretty horrifying. Not, a lot of, bl- the, lot of blood splatters. Man, we're just, we've got so many people's heads popping in the shows that we're watching uh, currently. Yeah, everybody's got to pop a head, <laughs> and then like fucking it, which is, <laughs> man, like, give us a break. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I was just, I, I, I think more than anything, I. Like you, like you said, that episode just had me hooked, man. I was glued to the TV. I thought it was super interesting. I liked the, you know, the fantasy and the horror elements. I liked the explanation for both of these, both of these people, uh, both Tick and Jiha. Her relationship with her mother was like a wild element. Yeah, and so it it, it was just really good. And, and and I mean, it was one of those episodes that like it finished, and you're just like, whoa. Yep. So shook me up. Yeah. Now I'll be uh, obviously that episode ends with a little bit more magic. We see the um, the 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 some type of of wizard or wizardess. 
shaman of sorts. I don't fucking <laughs> magic maker. Magic magic thing. Who who uh, who who is clearly like the one that kind of brought this curse, the Kamiho down, right? Mm-hmm. And put her in the body of uh, of Gia. So there's still going to be more there. I don't think that we're we're done with Jiha and and this and this piece of of the magic world. I don't think so either. That would I mean it would be a terrible waste of an incredible episode establishing her and just man the performance again like she going to get more work from that. Uh, I would yeah, think. I think so. Yeah. And I, I guess I guess one up. question will will be you know she only needs one more soul and she can turn back into a to a human woman. And then She'll come be with Tick. Maybe so. But then there's love triangle. Big problem. <laughs> Drama. Um, okay. Drama let's, awaits. So let's, let's talk episode let's, seven. Let's jump into episode seven. I am. Which is the Hippolyta episode, right? Yes. Yep. Where she gets... Did she get abducted by aliens? It hard to say. It certainly is. She goes through some type of portal thing and is suddenly locked in an all-white room. Uh huh. With a an alien being, an alien being of sorts, of sorts. <laughs> um, now does does this all have this all have something to do with the orrery, right? I'm gonna tell you, man. I don't have the slightest idea. <laughs> if episode six wrapped me in like uh, had me wrapped around its finger again, episode seven reminded me that this show likes to give me stuff that I'm just like, what? Yeah. What? I don't know what it had to do with. I know it was, again, visually insane. It had to do with the Ori somehow. But I don't understand all the talk of keys and what exactly this did to move the story forward. I'm, I, I, I don't even recall. Yeah, so she's got the key from the Ori. How do they even end up at the observatory? Don't know. <laughs> See, this, this is what I'm talking about. The fact that we are having a, a hard time putting together the putting episode. together e- even what occurred in this episode is uh, is is for me an issue to my overall enjoyment of the show. Well, there have been three or four episodes like that for me, and you then there have mean? been the couple that have tied those episodes back in. So th- what I'm what I mean at this point, especially after episode six, is that they kind of got me in a place where I trust them with things like episode seven, where I'm like, fine. If you want to throw the crazy shit at me that I can, I don't really understand, as long as you give me a reason or tie it in or make it part of the bigger picture in a way that I think is really cool at the end. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, so so we did, uh, Hippolyta goes through like many different phases here. She's in like many different, almost like dream states. Uh-huh. And, and she's got this ability, right, to like, what, what she learns from the alien being is that she can kind of like transform and move herself anywhere, that this is all kind of cerebral and in her head. And so that that was like once again like visually very cool and like I loved getting I loved getting Hippolyta who the performance from um, man I don't want to botch this name it's uh like it's it's I've got it right in front of me Anjuane Anjuane Ellis yeah Anjuane Ellis I think that sounds right and um f- again fantastic performance from her like really incredible I especially liked the whole like dancing in Paris An- one Anjuane. I don't know. Fuck. I like, but but uh, but her being part of the um, the uh, the the dancing troupe in Paris. Yeah, dude. 
falling into that, you know, kind of getting to live out these different random dreams. Right, right, right. It was cool. Like, like, like she's like so nervous nervous at first. And then like we turn the page and she's got the the short hair wig and she's like smoking the cigarettes and like hanging out at the after party. Like that was was a total mood. Making best friends with the chick that she was there to idolize and see in the first place. Great vibe. And then we had like the uh, where she becomes Hippolyta and and the other uh, like the other warrior, by the way, I'm pretty sure was Sue. From Veep, no shit. <laughs> HBO always, uh, always. They get their people, man. Going, going back them. to their peeps, which is, uh, which is good. You know so, that people at HBO meetings say things like, "We're a family here." Yes, absolutely. C-suite executives. Um. So, so I mean, it, it was like, again, it was a crazy ride. But I, I, I just, I, I'm still a bit lost as to. What exactly the orrery is doing, and why that key took them to the observatory, and then like how they went through a portal, and then what they came back for, mm-hmm. and then they, the, the, I, you know, I, I, I get, I know where it's going to go. They were there. They had to kill the racist cops. They left the comic book on the ground. That's going to trace it. That's going to trace back to them. Um, but but yeah, just it's just kind of a, uh, I, I don't know. Like it like spun my head a little bit too much. I think. It's what they like to do, though, is they give you these ones that in a vacuum are crazy and don't make a whole lot of sense. And you're like, man, how's that going to tie to the rest of everything? And then I think they've gotten good enough to where they will bring it back full circle and make episodes like this, which individually in a bubble by themselves are phenomenal and fun as shit to watch and ridiculous. And I'm just like, what is happening? And I love the almost like Rick and Morty feel of like the three stories within one sort of like she kept going to a different place, living out a different thing, Um, you know. Being Hippolyta Discoverer, being Hippolyta George's wife, it was just a cool Hippolyta episode. Yeah, and it, again, back to this ambition thing. Uh, the the scene with Hippolyta and George, I'm glad you brought that one up, where she basically says that she can be anything, right? And like, in some ways, being George's wife like kept her from being as big as she wanted to be. Like, and that George sort of uh, allowed that reverse to enabled that. Yeah. Yes, like. Th- that was I loved that exchange that was like a super interesting idea and well so I think that's I, something so common in relationships so I, I I loved that they're like I loved that aspect of like Hippolyta finding this empowerment but it's almost like if they just played it a little bit more straight like I would have just ra- I, I almost would have rather had more of that than than than, than so much like craziness and and world creation and like you know, and that, that's kind of what I'm saying. Like, they want it all, right? And it all looks good. And it all tastes good. But it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm too stuffed at the end. And I, and, I, and, I, and I don't know what I just ate. <laughs> yeah. That's how I feel. I know. That's a great analogy, man. It's an overwhelming meal. It is. So, it's, uh, you know, we, we, we always open the show with, like, another helping of oysters, clams, and cockles. Like, this is, like, nine helpings and, in and, one and, episode. And, like, I, and I forgot about that, that little scene with her and George, arguably the most important in the entire episode. Because I'm like so focused on trying to remember what happened in the all white room where she like shrinks down to being little and then like what she's doing when she's about to go to war and then then how she became like friends with the French dancer. I don't. I, yeah, I was feeling a little spacey. I just remember enjoying it. So, the, yeah, it was just kind of it packed in so much that 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 potentially like one of its like core messages was almost, I mean, kind of got lost. And that's the thing that it, it, we've kind of found the show 
teeter on that line of several times. You know, yeah. are you are you overwhelming us with this craziness and it's like you're losing the message? But I, I, what I'm arguing is that with episodes like six where they tie things back together, I am going to continue to be just as excited each and every week to see what brings what. Yeah. And I believe we got 10 episodes of this season. Uh, the, uh, yes. Yeah. Three more to go. Um, so just they a, have enough to work with. A quick few notes on, on other stuff important that happened in this episode. Tick is distraught and not cool about finding out that his dad's gay. Right. It was an interesting element. Was. To be sure. Yes. Um, probably true to... I, I mean, I liked that the, that the wrinkle, that the, the, almost that they... The reversal of what you would have expected normally yeah, to happen before... Right, but an, also it, probably true to, like, what somebody in 1952, like, how they would have reacted to that. Sure. sure. You know? Like, before there was, like, like, like acceptance and understanding of of sexual orientation essentially yeah and i mean that's been uh an issue that's become more and more prevalent in particular in the hip-hop community over the past few handful of years um that that is very prevalent still that is very very much something that the that as a community hip-hop has been very slow to embrace even with historically having artists like frank ocean like Sam Smith, like, I mean, I don't know if you put Sam Smith in a hip-hop box. I, I would with a lot of his music. Um, you still have levels there. It's it's a weird thing. It's a really weird issue. So I thought it was interesting to see it play out the way it did for sure. And to have that wrinkle in their relationship now is, is interesting. And Tick has kind of been this infallible character so far, right? He hasn't really done anything where you would really disagree with him or... Well, the last two episodes, six and seven. I mean, we watched him murder some people. Okay, sure, sure. <laughs> true enough, true enough, Commit true enough. Commit some war crimes, potentially. War crime-wise, he hasn't had exactly the cleanest record. But he's our, he's our good guy, right? That we're rooting for, whatever, our protagonist, one of them anyway. And then you put it, you put, and it's a spot where you're like, God damn, man. Like, yeah. Uh, that's, and then your, also, that's your dad. And then also, Letty is pregnant. Oh, that's just the side note. Yeah, Letty's pregnant. No... <laughs> No big deal. Yeah. Just a little extra added drama there in case the aliens and shit weren't enough. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Good stuff, I, though. Having fun. I, I almost feel like I need to rewatch this episode. I, I, I'll see how I feel after I see the last time on Lovecraft Country yeah. thing. Did I, like, did I, like, uh, like I'm, I'm just, I feel like I missed, you know. I yeah, get, I, you I, missed everything. Maybe I missed something. You missed everything, but, Barry. You got to rewatch. Okay. Yeah. I caught it all, though. <laughs> all of it. All right. Let's talk about the boys. The boys. The boys, episodes four, five, and six. Uh, good Lord. The head squishing, the violence. Where do you want to start? Uh, let's I, start with you being right about, about Homelander, about and, Homelander uh, Stormfront. and Stormfront. Getting it on. Getting it on. Great call from your boy. Um, now, I did not predict that they would be having the type of coitus that they've chosen no which is mostly blood smeared and violent and disturbing <laughs> um that being said i do feel good about my call also she's a nazi yeah which i think we kind of knew they were going there i definitely she's if once they were like they told us she's been around a long long time and we already had the v and the weird ties to vaught being a potential nazi and the and the the way the germans experimented on people in world war ii era it was all these elements that you felt like kind of like they might go, and then here we are. Yeah. Um, the the And the, she was born in when? 1909? 1919. 1919. She's about 100 years old. Uh, the uh, The racism from her obviously was a giveaway. Yeah. And it 
it just felt Nazi-ish, and then the shave, the the half shaved head, uh huh, was also I feel kind of like very skinheadish. Yeah, and then her costume even has a little Nazi flair to it, sort of. Yeah, yeah, it, it reminded does. me of the Nazi villains from the Captain America. Uh, movies. It's like this black and red kind of leathery look. Yeah, the, the SS and the Nazis, they had a real specific fashion. Yeah. Um, so so her tone was just kind of Nazi-ish for a while. And and in this most recent episode, we get full-on confirmation of the... of the Uh-huh. Yeah. The, the Nazi history there. Now, one of the things that we see presented uh, often to represent Nazis sort of in a present day is this forward-facing... Really nice. Hey, use it like regular person, and then secretly, they're a Nazi. What was that show? Hunters. <laughs> that was the the play there. These Nazis are all regular everyday people that have integrated into society, and you would never know otherwise. And right. they have weird ways of being racist and doing their strange racist things. Um, obviously, in this show, she's pretty upfront about it. But anyway, just really interesting wrinkle. Obviously, not not a shocking one, but a cool one. The way he accepted it, I found to be kind of lame. Like he didn't really respond to her telling him all that. He just kissed her like so, I love you and this is a tra- this is hot to me. I guess we're not supposed to know what he thinks about what she told him. Exactly. Yet. That's okay. right. The uh, I got the feeling he might not like that this. I don't uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure that is as awful as Homelander is. He does have the weird That's the wrinkle is that he's going to be like yeah, but I'm not actually like a racist. I'm not a Nazi. I'm not a Nazi. I'm just Homelander. And well, okay. I take that back. He is definitely a little bit. He's xenophobic at the very least. For, oh, for sure. <laughs> so probably a little racist too. But the full-on... Extermination of a people. Extermination of a people, genocide, like you're our Aryan ideal, which I thought was also like a good tie-in. Like obvi- like like when she's like, you're exactly what we've always been want- wanting, makes a little bit more sense why they made that hair a little blonder and those eyes a little bluer this season, right? Indeed it does. Um, but, uh, so yeah, I think there's going to be a bit of a conflict there where he's like not totally on board with this whole genocidal, uh, Nazi pure Aryan race, uh, distinct everybody make, else. Let's thing. make us, let's make an army of a million people to just like kill everybody else and, uh, run this bitch. Um, so, but, so we'll, we'll see what happens there. Let's see what else we have. We've got, uh, well, the boys are finding out the about boys. this stuff. The uh, we've got people being experimented on with the compound V, turning them into all sorts of superhumans. One Linda, I believe her name is, or was it Cindy? Nope, it's Cindy. Hmm. Uh, Cindy has a very terrifying power to crush things with her mind. With her mind, if she can see them, I believe is the the right there. She got to see it, then she can just go. Yeah, Darth Vadery. Uh, the show, man. God, this show loves its gratuitous violence. Oh, it's it's uh, it's like purposely trying to desensitize you to it. Yeah, you like that? But get they're smearing the dude's blood on each other's faces while they're banging up against the yeah, wall. Yeah, we've in an got the, we've got the the full on head pop, and then multiple people just getting just squished. By the way, shouts to the OG head popper, the mountain, the mountain. Yeah, um, he so, took that straight out of his playbook. So it's it's it's. You know, I get, I get it, but it's almost like, do you? I, I think they're they're trying to get you to confront how much you're okay with as far as all this violence, but they go to such great lengths that they do actually, they take a, it takes away a little bit. Like I know, I know now 
like they've taught me how to watch, right? Like I know now that in the boys, I'm going to see like, just like some stuff that is so horrifyingly gruesome and awful and, and nasty that like, I, I like, I'm just going to compartmentalize it and be like, this is almost, it's almost like they're trying to be funny with it. It's comic. That's the comic book element to me. Yeah. Like it's, it's so over the top that it's, um, like Sin City almost, you know what it's, where it's just like ridiculous and it's, it doesn't strike me as disturbing as much as it's like comedic and gross sort of. But I, but don't you get the feeling that they kind of want it to be disturbing? I don't know, man. I, I really do think that's just such an element of comic book culture. Like the violence on the pages in the, in the drawings had to be over the top to sort of get the visceral reaction that you would from seeing something like that and then they make it that like they sort of trace that in the way that they make their violence and their fighting and their killing in these shows and on these in these movies and tv shows that are inspired by graphic novels and such there tends to be this element of really gratuitous violence plus as we always say hbo is already there right i mean so like amazon now has a show that goes there sort of like HBO has always been the, the network where you expect the gratuitous violence and the nudity and the head popping. Amazon is doing more of at least the head popping with the boys. I don't yeah. really know if they have like a nudity show. Yeah. I don't know that anybody will ever be full Game of Thrones nudity the way they were the first couple seasons again because they got flamed so hard after the fact. <laughs> like why does there need to be titties in every scene? Yeah. In every scene. Now, I never asked that question, but I, there are people who did. Yeah. They got called out for it because the, the series continued to then, like, mistreat women, I think, in a way. As characters? In, through its, like, writing and its character development. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. yeah. Not good. Which, so, and then they, you know. If your overall portrayal and messaging of women is that they're just there to be nude, that's not great. And or, and or killed. And or murdered, yeah. Yeah. Not good. Um, yeah. So what else? So we got the boys. They, they find that stuff. Uh, Huey finds himself Petit in a... Huey. In a dangerous situation, we get a little backstory from Frenchie about the what happened with him in Lamplighter. Lamplighter costume, very funny. That was that made me laugh. The the staff that with <laughs> the staff um, is epic. I liked I liked that. You shall not pass. Uh, just to jump around a little bit, if that's cool, please do. Episode four, we get Homelander. Before he has a uh, a coitus partner, doing the sucky sucky to himself. One of the more with, well, do- almost, with doppelganger, almost, almost. One of the most yeah. disturbing, hilarious, and then please make it stop scenes I've ever seen <laughs> on any show or TV or movie. Uh, man, yeah. And then he and then he doesn't need doppelganger anymore, and he and he kills him. Yeah. Rest in peace, doppelganger, who really really went all out for Homelander and should have been better appreciated. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he was willing. He was willing to do anything. He really was, and and Homelander <laughs> didn't appreciate that enough, man. Yeah, uh, but now he has his Nazi sexy sexy partner. At least he did for a couple episodes. Now we'll see if he kills her. Yeah, with his laser eyes. Uh, and then five was the track down a depressed butcher, meet his drug dealing grandmother. Yes, face off with Black Noir. Yeah reveal that he has some type of video footage of or something something or other of the of the superman baby kid indeed uh butcher upset because wife want to stay <laughs> yes yeah yeah wife like new life yeah oh don't want to go with butcher 
episode five. Butcher doesn't want son. Also, while we're talking gratuitous violence. Stepson. We, uh, we get a face ripped off. Oh, yeah, Straight ripped off. Oh, face. In episode five. Face off. From uh, Kimiko. Yeah. So that was nice. Kimiko went there. She also bought herself a uh, lovely... Uh, a bossy. Uh, bossy knuckle... Knuckle ring. Knuckle ring. I liked that. I liked Would that. she... <laughs> fucking love that. Love that. Yeah. She's one of my favorite characters. She's great. She doesn't what, say what's, much. Um, I mean, what are your... Where do you see the rest of this going? What do you think... Tell me this. Hmm. Oh, before we go. We didn't see much of... uh, Before we go there. Esposito in these episodes, by the way. I I just want to say that my favorite piece of the the show right now is the the Church of the Collective and Deep recruiting people, as we referenced at the top of this podcast. But I'm I'm very, very... That's the most interesting part for me, too. I want to see how the Church of Collective is going to like tie into all this. Yeah, because they keep promising these guys like Deep and Atrium yeah, will get you back in. That they'll get them back into the seven, but I don't think that's where it's. I don't think that's happening. I think they're converting them into to pawns for their own for their own game. But what is that game? We're not really sure yet. Ah, or is there a connection between Vought and that church? Possible, and we know that Stormfront was almost was either once a part of or almost a part of the Church of the Collective. Here's why I believe there's a connection. Besides the point you just made, which I think probably confirms it for me, they wouldn't just let the deep be off in this place unchecked unless they knew exactly what was going on. So yep. it good. has to be something that they're all in the loop on. That's that's a good insight. Now, to this what is end like they an would, avenue that yes, they, the they, way, they a way to keep control of their superheroes of of, of essentially washed up superheroes yeah and have them then to use for their own means right right behind the scenes not as part of the seven though okay. i definitely don't think it's as part of the seven i think it right. is right yeah it's going to be interesting to see how where they plug them in and what they get them to do yeah um a couple of uh, a couple of little fun easter eggs little moments from the set oh. of their avengers movie is what they're basically showing us there by the way if you don't see this coming the deep inevitably having to do something terrible which rips him apart internally because he has become a good person or he thinks is going to be hilarious. Yeah. I look forward to that. Continue. Uh, so, so many, much of this, of these episodes takes place in people's trailers on the set of this superhero movie, which is basically like a big Avengers movie. Yeah. And they, they, they throw a couple little references there. They're very self-aware. Uh, Homelander mentions that there were some, uh, there was, there was a Joss rewrite which is a jo- he's re- referring to Joss Whedon okay who, like directed at least Avengers Age of Ultron maybe the Dude, first one too they're good at working in these jokes that are real re- like and, topical and relevant uh, and then was brought in he's the he's the one that finished Justice League after Zack Snyder oh, had yeah. to leave pop 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 Joss Whedon is is why we're getting release the Snyder cut Georgie um what Huh? Where's that from? I, I'm just I'm I'm derailing. <laughs> You're just riffing. I'm just yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Stormfront had a coffee cup, a Starbucks cup, and her name was written on it. But somebody had written Storefront because <laughs> Starbucks always gets your name wrong. That was a nice little thing. <laughs> oh, jokes! See, this show's funny as shit, man. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 very good. And uh, okay, now on to larger questions. Through two, through through one and a half seasons now, we haven't really lost anybody major. It's a good point. We lost Invisible Man or whatever his name was. Nobody cares. Nobody cared. We lost Lube Man. Who now? 
Lube Man? Was that this show? What show was that? <laughs> that was Watchmen. <laughs> that fucker slid down that dr- drain. <laughs> yeah. Drain. Yeah. He's not lost. He's just in the sewers. He's just in the sewers. He's Lube Man. Um, um, so, so it does Yeah. It feels inevitable. feels like we got to lose somebody. We, we got a lot going. We got Maeve is not in a good spot with the whole trying to protect Elena and the video of her and Homelander on the plane. Got to think that that video does not see the light of day. Probably not good for Maeve. Um, nor Elena. I, I, I'm just They're curious. in grave is, is danger. Like Stormfront and Homelander, not sure they can coexist for very much longer. She's in grave danger because Homelander's not going to die. Sorry. Yeah. We're on to season two, bro. So I, I'm just kind of curious as to like what what you think. Uh, Who could go? Any, any foresight into into to what's how this is, how the back I, half here is going to play out. I think as... Huey was sort of presented as our main character. In season one. Yeah. And he's sort of taken a back seat in season two to watching a lot of other characters' stories unfold and backstories unfold. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can lose Huey. I don't think so either. I don't I don't think you can lose Butcher, especially after giving us the threat of losing Butcher last season. Huey is the son of Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan. You can't kill that kid. You cannot. I don't think we can lose Homelander yet. I think he's a big bad that needs to stick around till at least seasons four or five. Yep. Okay. Um, so I think that puts Stormfront directly in the crosshairs of, of being removed this season. But she wouldn't count to me as a main character. She's somebody they introduced this season that I wouldn't be shocked to see go at all. Could you see her having a two-season arc? Of course. Okay. Yeah, of course. I could see them finding a way to flip it and, and stick her around. But one of the people in The Boys is going to die before the season ends. You think we lose Frenchie? Or Mother's Milk, Mother's Milk or Huey or The Butcher or what's the chick's name? Stormlight. Uh, what? Starlight. Star- <laughs> Stormfront and Stormlight? Stormfront Starlight. Stormlight, huh? <laughs> uh, no, Starlight or, uh, as I've said, though, I don't think it's The Butcher. I don't think it's Huey. Starlight, may- maybe, because they got to give a crushing blow at some point. In the form of a death of a major beloved character, this as all good so shows raw, do. so so bloody, so ultra-violent. It would be insane if they all I just continue to survive. I can't imagine not continuing to let all of our yes. players survive. It's not a thing that will happen. And, and I think before the end of the season, we'll see one of our main people go. I just am not confident they're going to be willing to let go of Huey or the Butcher or... Right. So right. like Frenchie, I'm scared for. He's a guy I could see them doing d- losing. Yeah. Mother's Milk, I'm scared for. Kamiko, I'm scared for. Mm, mm-hmm. um, Starlight, not so much. She's it's like that's too important of a character. I think they need her in the I, seven for more. I, I I could see Maeve being the sacrificial lamb here. I could see her going too, and that and them kind of being like that was a big enough character. But that's kind nobody of a, else. That's kind of a that's cop out? kind of a cop out to me. Yeah. Like I feel like you really got to get it, but we'll see. We'll see. I, I also don't like just from the perspective of like is. Like, what, Maeve's going to die because she's gay? It's just kind of... Right. I don't know. We, it, it, we I don't know that that's a necessary storyline. I don't know. Yeah, I don't no, know. We'll see no, what they right. think. That, 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 I'm sure that would get some blowback. Which is unusual because it would represent... Reveal one of your characters to be gay and immediately kill them off. Yeah. Yes, but it's unusual because it represents the obvious strife and struggle sure. of gay people in the United States in particular in this show. But... At the same time, what you just said is very problematic. To introduce a character as closeted gay, have that be her problematic story arc, and then have that be her her demise mm-hmm. in the same season, and there are two seasons of the show, would be pretty fucking 
brutal. Yeah. I don't know if that's the route they're going to go. So while, while I, Maeve could be a red herring. Let me put it that way. We haven't seen enough of uh, our new leader at Vought. He can't die yet. They didn't bring that dude in to kill him off after like a couple few scenes in the beginning of season two and not utilize him. Esposito? Yeah. Right? I could see him going. Okay, maybe you're right. Maybe he, he likes maybe to bounce around from show a, to show. True, true. Maybe he's a little <laughs> bit of a red herring. Yeah, yeah. He's in there, but he's not. Yeah. Like he's kind of like, uh, like he, I think he's, I think we're led to believe that he's more powerful than he is. You know what I mean? Maybe. Like I don't know. End, I'm we, backtracking we, now. We talked about this in season one a little bit too. Uh, one of the interesting wrinkles in this show is like, could you really contain Homelander? Why doesn't Homelander just kill anybody that gets in his way? Why does he need, like, like, and, I mean, and that's I, one of the things. They I think they introduce a wrinkle there at some point. I, they I gave think that Superman they've given him, I, I think they've given him this, like, he so desperately wants to be admired and loved. He needs the, the adoration of the people. And that's why he doesn't go off and like do, do his fantasy where he just kills everybody in the in crowd. The there, crowd. Right. Like that, that's what stops him. But it doesn't change the fact that this, that Homelander is essentially the most powerful person in the world. He's up two could, points in the polls. And could literally just ax anybody Every, yeah. that got in his way. And it wouldn't matter because there's not really any stopping him. Which again is a problem for the storytelling. At yeah. some point they have to have a kryptonite for Homelander or this is, he is an unstoppable force. I would just like more explanation in general as to, and I, I mean, I maybe know Stormfront gets a leg up on they've, him. Somehow. They've tried to do this a little bit, but like, why are any of these superheroes containable, controllable? Um, I think it's different with the that the, the part of that is what the Church of the Collective is doing for guys like the Deep. They've got shit on him, you know. They're gonna have all this shit on him to keep him in under wraps. Uh. But for guys that have, it depends on their powers too. Obviously, I'm wondering now if maybe Stormfront becomes sort of what maybe she knows a deterrent to Homeland. Think about it. She's so old, man. Mm-hmm. She's lived through all this shit. She just now comes back into the picture, right? She surely knows how powerful Homelander is and how dangerous he could be to her if he turns on her or if she upsets him, right? Yep. There's got to be a back door. There's got to be something else there, a twist or something she's got on him. It can't just be, I'm going to lay it all out for you. I'm a Nazi. Please love me and don't kill me. That is so fucking not enough. Like, I think she'll have be more diabolical than that. So right. I'm curious right. to see if she has some way to hold him in check or use him or be able to uh, hold him, you know, based on something she knows or has or I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying. Yeah. More wrinklage could be there. Yeah. Peter Dinklage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's enough for me. That's all I got. The boys. The boys. So, I do. I, 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 I like the show a lot. It's I love it. Yeah. I fucking love it. It's great. We got a couple left or, or four. Is it 10 or eight? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Somebody knows. Somebody. But that will do it for today's episode of OCC, produced by Mike Moody Garcia of Permanent Record Studios in Austin, Texas. We will be back next week to continue discussion of Lovecraft Country with Episode 8, of The Boys with Episode 7. And, and Barry, do we want to get back into a little bit of Yellowstone next B- week? Before we announce anything, I would just like to say, okay. if you are watching this on YouTube, give your YouTube link. YouTube.com slash Bowling Media. Media. I don't want you to be confused. This was an episode of Oysters, Claims, and Cockles. It was not an episode of the Ross Bowen podcast. What's so don't, that? So don't think... Oh, because we have the wrong... Uh, so don't think... They can fix that in post. Can they do that in post? Yes. Oh, that's phenomenal. Oh, you didn't even need to acknowledge it. 
<laughs> just just ignore the last 10 seconds. No, we had the wrong little banner up on our video, but that's... I just didn't want anybody to be confused and be like, why are they talking TV and film on the Ross Bowen podcast? What is happening? That's Barrett. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I think that we can jump back into Lovecraft, I mean... Yellowstone? Into Yellowstone. Old Clamstone Ranch. Look back up at the big sky. Yeah, yeah. It's time to get back... Bit on that horse. Montana. Get back up on that horse. I've been missing those those beautiful stars shining so <laughs> bright up there in that big sky here in Montana, big sky country. It's the only feature of Montana, if you listen to this show, <laughs> is that it's got a big sky and stars in it. Um, yeah, man, I told you how much how much Montana is just popping up everywhere recently. It is. At I got a little. I got a little. I got a little. Uh, I got something from a hotel chain. I get marketing emails from that's like. Twenty five percent off if you stay two or more nights in our Bozeman in our Bozeman suite. Come out here to Montana. Come out here to Montana, and you know what? I want to go. I do too. Can we expense it? We can expense it. I think it's right? research. That's research. That's Con- show related content. That's, that's show related that's research. Business. We we should maybe ethics. actually do this. Send me yeah. this link. Send me this I link. Will. I will. But yeah, okay. So let's say at least Yellowstone season two episode one next week. Yes. The Boys, new episode. Lovecraft Country, new episode. We'll leave it at that if we get to more Yellowstone somehow. Yay. If not, at least episode one, okay? Uh, huge thanks to our sponsor today, Felix Gray. FelixGrayGlasses.com slash OCC to support them for supporting us. And if for some reason you're not looking to get the best blue light glasses on the market, then you can support us directly by going to Patreon.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles, where a minimum pledge of just $5 a month will get you three additional episodes, ad-free episodes, premium episodes, exclusive episodes of this podcast each and every month on Patreon, which is simply a platform that affords us the ability to circumvent advertising advertising and bring you more content, more podcasting, more episodes in exchange for your direct support. You can be part of the Crustacean Nation and get three episodes. You can be part of the Mollusk Militia and get a fourth episode every month. You can be part of a multitude of other tiers that we have now, including Movie Club, where you only receive our Movie Club episode, which is readily available to both Crustacean Nation and Mollusk Militia members every month. You can join the Wiretappers and only get access to the Mollusk Militia Hotline Call Extravaganza, which is one of our more popular and fun episodes every month. You just don't have the ability to call in if you're not in the mollusk militia wiretappers wire 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 one of them we had last week love the wiretapper shouts to the wiretapper did you check it was one wire we had one wiretapper that's why i have your own sound effect wiretapper that person has to be just loving life right now if i was you i'd be utterly thrilled i mean you can it's not too late to get in on the wiretappers and it's just you and a few people that have your own sound effect that's still cool that's still cool that you is know? still cool. We're shouting out like three people, you know, yeah. have us just be talking to to three people specifically right here. They're probably the all named, they're probably all named Tyler. They probably are on part of Tyler Nation. Um so shouts to all the Tylers and all the wiretappers. You know what I heard? There. I heard the only person in the wiretapper tier last week was Tanner Lannister. Mm. Yeah, who's reappearing as uh as Tannister Tan- Tannister. As- <laughs> <laughs> as, as Tanner Dutton, right? We just haven't seen him yet. I think he's supposed to make an appearance in in season two. A goddamn Tanner Dutton. Tanner Dutton. Yeah, he couldn't even back. keep his he's ass just... on the ranch. He could, no, couldn't no. stop knocking up. <laughs> I'm not even going to say what I was going to say. I, I mean, Tanner Dutton. He he was uh, horses. Look, he was going skiing in the mountains a little too often. If you catch my drift. Hey, I, I catch your drift. <laughs> he had to go to he he had to go to rehab because he hurt his nose. <laughs> Just like Kenny Powers. Now, the good thing is that um, Nevada, known for, for just some beautiful rehabilitation centers. Yeah. They also have um, the Vegas in Nevada. Well, that's that can be an issue. 
The Vegas if, can be an issue. If you don't think that, that Tanner Dutton was sneaking out of rehab and hitting up the sun, hitting up the Las Vegas Strip, the Vegas, the Vegas, you are you are quite mistaken. He's there. He's the, he's there right now. Right fucking he now. He doesn't care about no COVID, no pandemic, no police. He's just getting lit in Las Vegas. Tanner Dutton. Probably come, come back make a whole damn scene at the ranch next season. Probably wake, um, probably wake up tomorrow and have a tattoo and not even know where it came from. Yeah. Tanner Dutton. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, so hit patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles and get more OCC every month. Look, Retu- to, you know what? For to, Yellowstone, to, Lovecraft and the boys next week. Today, we're recording a little bit later in the week than, than typical. We are. Typical. We are on a Thursday. That, may, that means that today, it's already the beginning of creepy month. It's October 1st. Uh, yeah, creepy, spooky, horror, uh... 31 more... We got 31 days of creepy month. Horror thriller month. Yeah, creepy, spooky, horror thriller month. And that means... I know we have some horror fans out there. You know. You know oh, that movie club... Hell. This year, this month... is gonna be... And a, creepy month will be... It's gonna be a scary one. Something creepy. Ooh. I already know what picture I'm using for the, uh, the Patreon post about... Make, your, make about, your best ghost noise. About creepy month. Do you know which picture I'm using? Nope. Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all can't wait to see it though, can you? You know where you'll see it? Probably on social media too. Instagram at Oysters Clams Cockles, Twitter at Clams and Cockles, Facebook.com slash Oysters Clams Cockles. My name is Ross Boland. Follow me at WR Boland on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. You can also catch me on twitch.tv slash Boss Roland. That's Ross Boland with the B and the R reverse. Very clever, sneaky, sneaky. And also listen to the Ross Boland podcast every week. On Monday and Wednesday, wherever you listen to OCC, we drop two episodes of RBP, week in and week out, the Ross Boland podcast, hosted by myself with my co-host Chris Colson, where we talk about, uh, it's a comedy and humor show with a focus on mental health and uh, current events and sports and music and history and serial killers and pirates, and we have a good time. So the Ross Boland podcast, wherever you listen to OCC, Mr. Dudley, where can we follow you on social media and hear more of your voice? Are you challenging me to a walk-off? Boo! Boo! Lander? What a great show. Movie. <laughs> what a great movie. Um, listen to your friend Billy Zane. Listen to your friend Billy Zane. He's trying to help you out. He's a cool guy. <laughs> uh, yeah. At Barrett Dudley. Instagram and Twitter. And um, tweet, check, tweet. check me out on the Club Cool podcast, wherever you're listening to this one. Where we talk a little style, actually a lot of style, and a little bit of pop culture. Mm. Recent things that we've done on the podcast are answer listener questions mm. about style. We had a great guest on last week who uh, who has uh, a really cool brand called Uniform. Um, does a lot of awesome elevated basics based out of California. Nice. Great interview. And, uh, and then we also, we taste tested live on mic the Travis Scott meal. Wow, a live review of McDonald's, the Travis Scott meal from McDonald's, which um, I'm Disturbing. pretty sure was uh, it was it was unprecedented for podcasts, which is good because these are because these are unprecedented times. They are, and um, yeah, man. So just a, a bunch of good stuff over there. Huzzah! Huzzah! Indeed. And that will do it for today's episode of Oysters, Clams, and Cockles. Thank you all again for being here. Uh, thanks for supporting the show week in and week out. Thanks to everybody on patreoncom Cockles for allowing us to bring you more OCC ad-free every month in exchange for your support. Y'all are awesome. Until our next helping. You got something else to say? It's a walk-off. It's a walk-off. It's a walk-off. It's a walk-off. It's a walk-off.